This is the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, episode 129. Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you here. And uh, I'm back in London now after <laughs> it feels like a sort of round the world tour. Uh, it wasn't quite like that, but for the last few months, I've been on a plane a lot more than I would like. And it's funny because, you know, traveling is, is amazing and it's like, it's the best thing in the world. But traveling and getting stuff done do not go very well together. They do not go hand in hand. And I have always noticed in the past, like a huge, huge correlation between the amount of time I actually spend at home without traveling and the amount of stuff that I get done. And that goes for languages as much as anything else. It's one of the reasons I like to... I like to learn languages from home is because I can have a routine that I follow. And the last couple of weeks in Thailand, were, I mean, they were amazing. Um, I had so much fun and not that we actually kind of went out and did loads of crazy stuff. Although there was one night on Soy Cowboy, which <laughs> I won't go into that. If you know what Soy Cowboy is, you know what I'm talking about. But like, whereas in the past... What would get me most excited is the the opportunity to travel and stuff like no no now it's changing maybe it's because I'm getting older but I kind of I I feel more excited by the stuff that I can do myself and the things that I can learn and the people that I can meet and um, that's what I think that's why I try and do so many so many things really with the with the podcast and with the the uh, the polyglot pub in London all these things I just I. I love to create stuff. It must just be uh, the uh, the musician in me, I think it was. I've always needed a creative outlet. And anyway, I'm back in London, and I'm back to regular podcasting as well. I did miss a couple of weeks, and I apologize for that. But we're back on the horse, as they say. And I'm very pleased to bring you another episode today. Before we get into this question from Remita, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show who have been with the show from, well, from very, very early on italki, it's the place where I get all of my language lessons from. And now that I'm back in London, I will be using them to keep up my tie. What's left of it, at the very least. <laughs> and if you'd like to get a free lesson with italki, you can go to iwillteachyourlanguage.com forward slash free lesson. Now, without any further ado, let's dive into today's question from Vermita. The sound quality is not great, I'm afraid. Uh, there's a bit of popping going on, but it's still intelligible. Hi, Oli. It's Ramita from Indonesia. And my question is, how do you facilitate a fair language exchange? Because in a language exchange, you either give or take. And sometimes it's difficult to find the perfect language match. And you end up only give or take, which could be unfair and even boring for a person. And also because it really depends on the fluency of your language and the, your um, expertise, your knowledge and your preferred topics. So what do you suggest to keep everyone stay motivated and um, enjoy the language exchange? Thank you. Okay, Vermita, thank you very much for your question. Now, uh, we've met actually, Vermita and I, we went to a language exchange event in London uh, a few months back. And um, it, it's one of those places where you, know, you walk in and you have to take the flag of the country of the languages that you speak. So I had quite a few on there. And um, 
I'm kind of used. It's funny because I'm used to going to these events and people kind of see a, a, a row of flags and they kind of come up to you and go, "Oh, do you actually speak all those languages?" And I'm like, "Well, not really." Um, but <laughs> she had like twenty flags of all these crazy languages. Um, so she's, you know, she's probably you, you probably know the answers to this better than me, Vimita, But I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you my opinion anyway. And I was actually thinking this, thinking about this on the plane on the way back from Thailand because um, I was I was just watching this video on the plane that someone had given me and uh, I couldn't concentrate on it because I kept thinking about this, like this question, what, what makes language exchanges work? And the thing about language exchanges is that they mirror real life. And I don't know about you, but for me, like real life when it comes to meeting people is usually not particularly successful. Like of every 100 people that I meet through whatever reason, you know, how many of those people will become friends or be people that I like to sit and talk to like maybe like two or three maybe <laughs> something like that I don't know I I mean I, I I know tons of people but you know like not there's a relatively small number of people in my life that I really kind of enjoy sitting down with for a two-hour conversation in any language right so when you think about it, there's no reason that you should expect a language exchange with another person, with a real human being, to be any different from that. You've got the same set of issues that you've got in real life. Now, most people that you meet for a language exchange, you know, you may have met them online or at a language event or something like that. Statistically, most of them are not going to be a good match for you. You are not going to be friends. You could you can be civil and polite with each other, but you're probably not going to be, you know, kindred spirits. And so what I've often found is in the past, when I've done language exchanges before, is that, and I've done lots of them, I've done them for years, I've found that I've often had to meet you know, three, four, five, even more people in order to find that one person who really clicks. And uh, it can be a bit of a, a bit of a brutal process, really, because especially, I did this quite a lot in Japan. I was really keen to do more speaking in Japan. And so I I'd spent a lot of time looking for people to do language exchanges with. And I did find a couple of people in the end who were on the same page as me, but I had to, you know, meet randomly quite a few people and then not, you know, not see them again. And it was kind of a bit, I mean, I'm sure the feeling was mutual, but it it's not a very, you know, it's a bit of a uncool thing to have to go through, you know, and and then, yeah, I come back to London and a good friend of mine here, Saori, who's uh, Japanese. Now, you know, we've become good friends and we often we often meet and just go for dinner and we have a great time. And we talk usually for half the time in English and half the time in Japanese. Often we speak more Japanese than English. I don't know. It depends on the kind of mood that we're both in. But that's the weird thing, like having tried to meet tons of people in Japan and and never really getting on with someone. I come back to London and I meet this great person here who I really enjoy spending time with. So it really is a lottery and you've got to play the numbers in a way, and it, which just sounds horrible to boil it down to that, but that's what we're talking about. There are lots of people out there for a language exchange who will work for a short-term thing. You can meet them once or twice, but you know the real value for me in a language exchange is someone that you can meet for the long term and you can become friends with. But having said that, you don't need to be best friends in order to have a good language exchange. I've had great language exchanges before with people who I'm not naturally friends with. But, and here's the key, I think 
we both respected what the other person was trying to do and what they were going through. So, you know, me, like being a language person, I can play along quite well, I think. I'm, I'm used to that. I know what the, the, the other person's going through. I can support them. Even if I don't like them, you know, I can still do that. Um, and when I've had these really successful ones in the past, they have really, the other person's understood what I'm going through, usually because they're going through it themselves, which means they can be patient. They can, they don't mind adapting and accommodating depending on what I need. Um, really the, the least helpful kind of person is that person who will just, who will just keep talking as they normally do with you, whatever your struggles may be like that. Um, it has a place obviously just to talk to normal people, but with a language exchange, you need the other person to play along. And so what I find, what I found to be really helpful is always to kind of set expectations. This is absolutely key. And what I do now is before I meet anyone for a language exchange, I will message them back and forth. I would usually meet them on a site like uh, conversationexchange.com or mylanguageexchange.com, something like that. And um, those two are particularly good. And I'll message them back and I'll say, I'll say, hey, you know, this is me. This is what I'm looking to do. Are you up for it? Um, a language exchange, that is. And they, assuming they say yes, then what I'll do is I'll message back a little bit more and I'll say that this is how I like to run my language exchanges. I like and. Typically, I like to have an hour in one language and an hour in the other. Um, that's rule number one. And um, and I'll say, look, are you happy with this? Is this is this fine? I don't like to mix languages. I like to have them clearly separated. Are you, are you happy to work like this? And usually, by the tone of the response, you can figure out um, if they are if they are the right kind of person or not because they if they message back and they say something like yeah that's cool i like to do that as well i'm serious about learning that's a good sign but what that also means is that when you actually get to the language exchange in the first place you don't have that awkward situation whereas whereby like it's not going well and then you have to kind of stop them because what i can't do the one thing that i am terrible at is actually in the middle of a language exchange with someone kind of stopping and saying to them look, this is not working for me. I'm not enjoying this. This is not helping. Like, that's really hard to do. Because you've been, you can't, it's like being rude to the other person, right? So by setting the expectations out in advance, you are stacking the cards in your favor. So if you tell, if you tell them, look, in advance, I want to do one hour Japanese, one hour English, then that's what you're going to do. Now, what can also, so I, I just mentioned the fact that it's difficult to, one of the difficulties here is actually telling people what you really want because it can be perceived as rude or or whatever, right? So one trick that I have that helps me um, manage this is whatever happens in one language exchange, I generally won't say anything then and there. I'll wait till the next time. And the next time I see them, if I think it's worth continuing, before we start, I'll say, you know, I was thinking it would be really useful if we could do this, you know, just speak Japanese for an hour first, or vice versa. It would be really useful if we could do that. I'd like it if we could do that. And by doing that, the person doesn't directly link it to something that they've done. They're not going to take any offense by it. You're not going to create any awkwardness by doing that. And it just helps you to set expectations. And so the kind of things that I would typically tell them are, I want you to correct everything I every mistake I make, or I don't want you to correct any mistakes I make. One of those two, usually. I might ask them, I'd like you to write down mistakes that I make. 
So I might say, for example, please don't correct me on the spot. I'd like to continue the conversation, but please write down the mistakes that I make and we'll talk about them later. Or I might say, please only correct pronunciation or whatever. I'll, I'll give them some kind of parameters for what I'm trying to work on. And um, it's easiest to do that at the start of the session so that they don't take any, any offense by that. Now, if after setting expectations for like how you're going to manage the time and then after giving them some feedback on what you would like to do differently, if they still don't do it and if you're still not getting along, well, listen, it's probably just not the right person for you. And in that case, I would simply move on and, um, you know, no hard feelings, but it's just easier to, to, you know, to try and find someone who's more on the same page than that person is. So I hope that's helpful. Um, the other thing I guess that I would do is, you know, you should behave, you should, you should act as you would like the other person to act as well. So if you want the other person, for example, to take notes on your mistakes, then you should do that for them and lead by example. I think for a lot of people, language exchanges might be new to them. They might be doing it for the first time, you know, so by bringing your experience to bear and say, look, let's try this or just literally doing it. And for them to see that you're writing down mistakes or writing down notes and things like that, much more likely that they're going to start taking it seriously and reciprocate. All right. So I hope that's helpful. Um, if you, oh, one other thing I should say, actually, in the interest of balance, um, these days I generally don't do language exchanges. I prefer to get uh, tutor sessions on italki, um, because it just saves time. You know, I don't have a lot of free time. And so when, with my, with the free time I do have, I prefer to spend that just speaking the target language, um, rather than having to kind of play that lottery of finding the right person. Um, against, um, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd much rather just go and find a, t- a tutor that I like, who's reliable, who I can meet with every time, and just speak the language. Um, the rare exceptions are, the, are those wonderful people that you meet, like in my case with Saudi, um, who you know we can just have um, really productive and enjoyable times together. Um, like if you're lucky enough to have that, that's great. But if not, then you know, like I say, I prefer to go to Italki and just have that that tutor time. So um, there we go. If you'd like to ask me a question, like Ramita did, hopefully with a better microphone, you can go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash ask. Now at the end of every episode, I like to leave you with a resource of some kind on the topic of the show. And I wrote a blog post a couple of years ago that's been very popular and it's called Making Language Exchanges Work for You. And um, as the title suggests, it's about making language exchanges work for you. So if you'd like a little bit more detail on this, then feel free to hop over to that. I'll put the link to that in the show notes, which will be at IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash episode 129. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Ramita, for the question. And I'll see you in the next episode of the podcast. Take care.